How are we there, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Smashing Crossbar podcast. I'm your host, Josh, once again, joined by Benno. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? I'm glad to be back at work, finally, after six and a half weeks. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. The drought's broken. I'm sure the, sure the missus would be happy to see you back at work. She is, mate. She is. <laughs> no, don't um, don't it, mind what's going on on screen at the minute. Oh uh, no, we're just we're just sinking um, our guest in. Obviously, um, what was I going to say to you? Obviously, if you can hear, make, let us know if you can hear Ben and myself. Okay, make sure there's no drums with the voice, etc. Um, other than that, we are joined or lucky enough to be joined by the captain of the Newcastle Jets, Nigel Bugard. Um, yeah, obviously to talk a little bit about football. Obviously, the season just gone, and hopefully. Um, a restart at some point. Hopefully some news on a restart for next season. Nigel, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. No, no. Pleasure. On, mate. I'm sure it's been chaotic over the last 12 months, we'll say that. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. So, no, nah, it's good to finally finally sit down and have a, have a bit of a chat. Obviously, the Jets fans have come in with a few questions. Um, we'll get through them, obviously, again, no particular order. Again, if you guys have got anything in the chat that you want to throw to Nigel as well, um, more more than merrier. But we may as well start off with the main one, um, off contract uh, currently. Um, it's safe to say, obviously, the Jets fans definitely don't want to see you go anywhere. We, you know, Newcastle boy, um, we, you know, we want to keep you here and I'm sh- hopefully you want to stay here. How's everything going with that? Yeah, obviously, it is uh, it is a little bit complex. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, I'm a newie boy and um yeah i love this town and 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 want to continue playing for this club but um unfortunately if it was as easy as that i think uh, everything would have been sorted already but uh, obviously with with things going on with with covid and, and the way that it's thrown everything into disarray uh, it also has, uh, has thrown up the challenge to to also get myself um on the books at the club so uh, obviously um the I want to stay. The club want me around, and and, and the formalities are, uh, and still a big issue is obviously the the sale of the club and 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 the new ownership that uh, potentially um, could happen uh, this year. And yeah, there's obviously a few things to still fall into place, but um, I think the the good thing to know is that um, I want to stick around. The club want me around, and uh, and hopefully uh, all the formalities will will fall into place in, in due course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, as I said, I think it's safe to say, obviously, everyone in, in here, obviously, watching, um, and who isn't watching, obviously, who supports the Jets, that definitely wants to see you around. You've still got a good couple of years left in you, we think. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, we can get that sorted as soon as possible. Um, first question we've got here is, so you've been on both sides of the F3 derby, uh, having spent five seasons at the Central Coast Mariners and hopefully six seasons at the Newcastle Jets. How do you feel the rivalry has sort of developed over the time? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think obviously with the success of the teams back earlier in the uh, in the A League, there was probably arguably a bit more at stake when it came to to those individual matches, and and obviously a lot of those derbies came down to to semi finals and and obviously the the famous grand final as well. Which uh, back then I was on the the wrong side of of that championship. But at the end of the day, if anyone was going to take it off me, I was I was happy it was Newcastle and. And not another side, but um, yeah, I think back then, um, I think it was probably a little bit more spite, a little bit more rivalry, and 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 I think the fact that everyone was still quite relatively new to the league, and there was a a vibe around both towns, and and I think there was probably a 
a real rivalry, a genuine rivalry back then. And and I think what helped that was also um, the way football was in the early days of, of the A-League. And by that, I mean the physicality and, and the way you could uh, go about, um, I suppose, business in a game. Um, and I think you could see that by the first 10 or 20 seconds of the, of the grand final and the way that kicked off. I think that kind of takes me back to to that kind of player-driven rivalry and 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 that that passion and that willingness to to give it all to 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 win and um, I think it, it it definitely I think everyone could attest it's it's dwindled uh, that rivalry over the years I think in in current years I think with um, a lot more homegrown players especially from our end and and uh, a few more coming back to the Central Coast I think that passion and understanding what it means to to play for your town and and represent them against um against your neighbor i think that's really added to it um i think it unfortunately due to the way the game's played these days i don't think we'll ever get back to that um real intense spiteful kind of rivalry but i think it's it's now based on um i suppose outwitting each other in in terms of tactically and and the way we go about games and i suppose it's it's probably um back in the day you probably wanted to win but also kick them off the park but these days i think the the best way to do that is to uh to really punish a side and, and put multiple goals past them. And that's probably, um, I suppose, the, the relative way to do it these days. But I think we can get it back there. Um, it may look a little bit different. And, and I think um, the big thing as well is is obviously that fan support behind it that drives it as well. So it's um, it's us on the field um, understanding our role to play in that. But also I think that, that passionate rivalry off the field and um, the singing back and forth and those type of things that, that definitely took place back in the day. And, um, yeah, hopefully that's uh, in the not-too-distant future that we can really look at that as a, as a real, I suppose, spiteful contest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, one of the questions that's been brought in as well, obviously, at your time at the Coast, we can't go past without talking about the 08 Grand Final. Um, we've spoken oh, yeah. to so many, Jet, so many Jets players about it and everything else, but not really too many guys are on the other coin. <laughs> How was it for you? The, the match itself was it is it tight as what we've seen it you know what i mean it was just so back and forth and you know obviously an unlucky slip cost um cost cost you guys obviously the victory yeah i think um depending on which side of the fence you sit on i think yeah. um you guys have probably um described it as a, as a tight contest and i believe on the field it felt that way i think there was um there wasn't much in it i think it was a, a very cagey match um you talk to some of the the Jets boys that played back then; they felt like they dominated dominated that game. <laughs> um, as to we probably would have said that if we won, but yeah. I, I think it was a quite um, cagey and intense fair. And obviously, as you mentioned, it only took one slip to to kind of um, sway things and and ultimately decide the game. So I think that that's justification of how it was played out. Obviously, um, in my circumstance, obviously down the coast, and it, it was a great build up, and and I. Uh, I was still living in Newcastle at the time, so I knew how much the town was getting behind the club up here and, and, and similar down on the Central Coast. Obviously, they football-wise were, were relatively new to it and um, there was a big buzz about the Central Coast to to get on board and, and really drive that. So um, at the end of the day, it was disappointing. I think the, the biggest thing that hurt me after that game, we went straight into a uh, an Ollie Roos camp and... And if you can remember a contentious handball from one um, James Holland, uh, so still uh, still seething at the bit. Um, we obviously met up in camp the day or two after um, for Dutchie to greet a couple of us boys, saying it was handball. So um, he just he, 
it was like he had a big salt shaker and just just straight into the wound there. But um, listen, it, that's I suppose that's the way it is. It's professional sport, and um, if you can laugh about it at the end of the day, it's it's always nice. But yeah, it, it definitely hurt at the time. Absolutely, Ben. You're um, the next one. I do, mate. Um, moving across now into into the ACL side of things, you play. You've had the chance to play in many ACL games. In your opinion, what's the difference in standard between the A League and the Asian Champions League? Budgets, budgets. Mm-hmm. It comes down to it. The 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 quality of of player um, that these these giants, uh, especially when you talk about the the more recent Chinese clubs. Um, the the Japanese obviously with their technical side of the game and, and they're so organized and disciplined and um then then everything in between but it's it's a great experience for for a league teams and and, and uh, players alike to be able to go into to that and test yourself against um arguably a, a higher caliber of of player and team and um it's enjoyable uh, you, you've seen Adelaide do quite well Western Sydney United oh so yeah Western Sydney um, obviously go all the way but it's 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 exciting for players that, that play in a competition like ours to really um, come up against sides where the only thing you know about them is the the scouting that your your staff members have done prior to it yeah. and it, it kind of puts you on edge during the game especially as a center center back you're obviously coming up against strikers and and sometimes very well uh, well renowned and, and well paid strikers mm-hmm. from from maybe Europe that you that you know quite well but you're all all of a sudden going into that as an unknown, and you've got to be on your toes and and at your game 100, percent or you you get found out. And yeah, it's it's exciting. It's it's something that's great for our our code to be able to to put Australian football um, up there on the Asian market as a, as a platform for for what we're doing here, but also um, arguably a, a stepping stone for some of those younger players that feel that's a a right pathway to go through a a career or a, a Japan to to apply their trade. So some great experiences. Some um, some long uh, and lengthy trips to get from yeah. um, Australia yeah. via 15 flights uh, to arrive at your destination at three in the morning and train and play the next day. So it's um it's an experience, but it's um something that I think if you asked any player, they they uh, they jump at the chance to to be involved with that. And obviously, our Champions League campaign um, a few seasons back now didn't didn't quite pan out the way they. We wanted it to, but um, I think we, we gave ourselves a, a good showing for for where we're at. And uh, at the end of the day, sometimes at, at professional sport, you've got to be able to put your hands up and, and say we you're beaten by a better side. Uh, yeah. But I don't think we uh, we dishonoured ourselves in the way we approached that game and, and ultimately played that game. So uh, disappointing to not be able to represent the club, club at that, that, that level, but ultimately I think uh, we gave it a, a good crack. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the next question we've got is in regards to obviously the grand final against Melbourne Victory the other season. Um, why do we definitely... always have to? Why do we always have to bring this up? Oh, <laughs> mate, seriously. Uh, I'm not going to go in there and say that you know we were robbed or. Yeah. I'm not telling like my story again for the ninth time on this podcast. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, look, I just, I just pretty much want to get your thoughts just on the season, like again the football where we where we finished the season before. And then how well the season went was just unbelievable. Um, did did you feel these were these were a chance of getting where you did? Obviously from from the from the get go preseason. Yeah, it was funny. It was, yeah, that season there was just there was a belief within the squad, and I think obviously coming off preseason was a good preseason for us, and played a, a, we got a lot of games under our belt against good opposition, and I think we're just. 
we realized as a group what we had within the group and, and the quality that we had that there was something special and it was amazing as the season um, just kind of flowed into to result after result and there was games where we definitely weren't the better side but we were able to um, get a result and, and I think that belief um, within the squad just grew and grew and there were games where we were behind that, that genuinely and hand on heart I could say that we weren't concerned we knew we would get a result and that was just a some people might call it arrogance or whatever, but you just have this confidence and, 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 and players will tell you that when they're in those type of sides, you're, yeah, you're really appreciating you ride it out. Cause I was in, in a similar situation in Adelaide and, and especially on a, on a cut run down there, but yeah. you just get this sense of momentum and it's, and it, and it is a thing that winning becomes a habit as, as cliche and uh, as that sounds, it, it just does. And, and all of a sudden the confidence to go out and play freely and, and play a certain brand of football just, um, becomes natural so it's um we kind of felt that momentum of the of the town as well obviously as as things were were drawing towards the the back end of that season we had a, a little um i suppose hiccup in terms of results there for a period and, and i think mm. i think it was it was interesting because people kind of wrote us off at that stage and and said oh you've they've done so well but they're going to fall over and and i think um true to to newcastle uh, mentality i think the boys took that as a as a kick in the guts and went, well, we've gotten this far where we're going to prove you wrong. And um, rightly or wrongly, we did. And yeah, the grand final, listen, you can't, you can't ask more for more than um, a Newcastle boy. And um, there's a few in our team to be able to play a, a home grand final in, in our stadium, a, a place where as a junior, I used to go and watch the, the old Newcastle United at the fence and, yeah. and try and get signatures myself. So to be able to, to walk out in front of um, a packed crowd uh, leading out your, your hometown and, and, and uh, yeah, listen, the fairy tale would have been amazing had we have, um, had we have won it. But it, I think considering where we were the year before, to do what we did was, was quite an achievement in itself. And, yeah, something that I look back on as, as one of the biggest highlights of my career and um, not only for... For, for that but just on a personal level from from being here and and being part of that yeah hopefully next season when you're with us um we go we can do it again but there's one question ben before obviously you get into the next one i've wanted to ask i've spoken to laurie many many a times in, and obviously he's given me really good answers in regards to the whole ernie merrick scenario um i'd love to get your thought on or just get an answer i suppose of he went he went he went from that season doing so so well and then the next season, obviously, it was just all downhill all for him. Off. And there was just so much talk. Laurie was saying that he was offered coaching staff and he didn't want coaching staff. He was happy with what he had, la-di-da, transfers. What what do you feel was the big biggest shift in, obviously, the next season with him at the club? Um, I think a lot of things. I think um, the, the playing squad changed yeah. a fair bit and, and you got – you got a fair few injuries to key players at at, at a at a bad time, and um, as much as um, anyone will test in football, if if a few of your senior players or regulars or, or whatever you want to call them um, are out of your squad, it does hurt. And and I think you can look at the the squads like Sydney's and and the successful teams that have gone past. They have the same they have the same squad on the park every week, uh, and their key players are on the park every week and. And, and there's a reason why those teams are successful is because they're able to keep that, mm. um, I suppose, unity and understanding and, and, and where they're going week in, week out. And, and I think that hurt us. Um, 
and yeah, you can. I suppose people will call it the, the wheels falling off. But in terms of um, the group, the group was behind him. We understood what he wanted and and how he wanted to play. And yeah. and I, I said it previously in in countless interviews that um, we also as a playing group uh, underperformed uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what he wanted out of us. And and there's no denying that. I think um, the results prove that, and, and individual performances also prove that. So. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's professional sports. It's a yep. it's a results driven business, and um, it's uh, the way it panned out was unfortunate for Ernie because um, not only did I enjoy the way he coached, um, but he's also a good guy, uh, mm. and that's I think that's first and foremost. And uh, yeah, like I said, in, in professional sport, it's it's always easier to get rid of one um, coach than it is um, twenty players, and I think that's yeah. the adage <laughs> all around the world. But as a playing group, we definitely stood up and put our hand up and said we we underperformed. Uh, yeah. But at, at the end of the day, that doesn't ease anyone's uh, mind, and it wasn't through lack of effort or trying or yeah. or not doing what was asked. I think we just, as a group, were were off the mark, and and uh, yeah, that that's it. Obviously, uh, we moved on from there, and and we're able to turn things around. And uh, I suppose no, obviously exactly. got got a lot of confidence in in where the where the uh, squad's sitting at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. As I say, good, you know, you just got to look at his track record of how good of a coach he is. And, yeah. you know, again, turning around a team from the bottom to the grand final runners-up, that speaks for itself as far as I'm concerned. Um, I was about to say, yeah. a couple of, couple of months after he left, didn't you bump into him down here in Melbourne? Yeah, that was bizarre. That was really, really bizarre. He spotted me out with a jet shirt on, which was quite bizarre. And as look, you guys... where, where we live, like the, there's only two people where we live that wear jet shirts. I'm one, and Josh is the other. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of bizarre. Um, but he, again, as Nigel said, nice bloke. You know, he's, he come up yeah, with me. How are you? You know, hope everything's well. And you know, again, good bloke. And again, hopefully, we see him back in the A League somewhere. Um, you know, soon. Uh, ben, you got the next one. I do. I am gonna. Um... Quickly go off, off off to the side here and grab one from chat because it's been mentioned two or three times now, and that's thoughts on the Riley McGree goal against Melbourne City. Do you think he meant it or was it a knee jerk reaction? Oh, listen, it's <laughs> he'll claim that he meant it every day of the week. Of he'll course. claim that, that he uh, that he did it at training regularly. But listen, it as a footballer, you know when when uh, instinctively you just throw your foot at something because uh, you know you need to make contact or you want to you want to project it into your path. Listen, I, I'll say I think he was just trying to flick it onto himself to be able to possibly have a chance at goal. Was he a little bit heavy-footed and it and it happened to lob a goalkeeper off his line? So be it. It's a talking point. It was a it was a great highlight for not only him but obviously our team as well. But um, I reckon if we throw him another 100, 200, 300 balls, he's probably getting one if he's lucky. So um, freak of nature, but obviously the the beautiful part about this game is that, that things like that can can pop up and, and get everyone excited and everyone talking about the positives that, that are uh, involved around our sport and, and not the negatives. So it was uh, obviously a talking point. We obviously had to burst his bubble a few times to bring him back down to earth. <laughs> but um, no, he's, uh, he's a good kid and um, he deserves all the accolades for, for what he's doing so far with his career. He should have won the Puskas. Yeah. He should have won the Puskas. How many bubbles have you blown of um, Popper? (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit hard because I obviously uh, rely on him a little bit at the back there, so I can't hang him out to dry too much. But um, to be honest with you, Topper Topper shows that regularly at training. Um, Not not probably to that level. He's he's pulled off a couple of half volleys and different things. And 
Um, it is a running joke that if he's ever in a bit of space and, and a decent distance out, you you may hear a few players, even even match day, yelling out, "Go on, do it, do it! Give the give the the uh, the fans what they want." So it's um it's enjoyable, but he's definitely got it in his locker, and it, and it wasn't as much as it was enjoyable, and um, it definitely wasn't a shock to the to the group that he was capable of doing it. Put it that way. Absolutely. I suppose we're going to have to bur- we're going to have to burst more of those bubbles, considering he's now one goal of the year for it too. Well, that's it. We, <laughs> he, he may, he may. Going to walk into training with his trophy now, and no, you yeah. can see him. You can see him freaking pulling down his ACL medal. Just put that on the side. Yeah, put it. Put it next to it. <laughs> I, I told him he's uh, he's centre back. Union fees a, a scrub for the rest of life. If you're uh, if you're a centre back winning goal of the year, then you're um, yeah, you're you're free to do what you want. Let's be honest. Yep. Absolutely. I'll buy that. Um, ben, hey, you got the next one there, mate. All right. Um, uh, when you were injured uh, a couple of times in this season, you were included on the team sheet and sat on the bench. Was there any reason behind it, or were we just short on numbers? Yeah, so I've been uh, asked this a few times. I was nowhere near fit enough to play, um, but Ernie felt that um, my presence around the squad was um, valuable to him and, and the players. So. Um, I travelled and essentially because of my position as a player, I don't have any of my uh, coaching credentials to the level to sit on the bench. But we're obviously short at that stage with um, coaches. We had, um, there was Ernie, uh, Chris Bowling, the goalkeeper coach. And mm-hmm. at that stage, uh, Clayton Zane had moved on and and Lee had mm-hmm. also uh, been headed back to, to China to complete his uh, pro licence. So yeah. um, he thought it would be a good opportunity for me to, to help out in that space. And um, yeah, a few people said what, what happened, but I was nowhere near fit enough to uh, to take the field on those occasions. But um, it also gave me a little bit of insight as to to what it's like to, to sit down that end of the bench. And um, I'll tell you what, it's it's stressful sitting there knowing that you, you, you can't impact anything that goes on in the field apart from um, making substitutions at, at crucial times. But um, yeah. Yeah, I had some had some good times on the bench. Obviously, um, Bolo and myself are very hot blooded, so um, there was a few times that he'd he'd go for the fourth official, and I'd be um, going after the the uh, the linesman, and um, <laughs> Ernie would be sitting there casually saying, "Can you two just calm down because it's not that bad?" But um, obviously, it was um, nice insight to see what it is to to be on that side of the fence. But um, yeah, it's uh, I still like to to have some sort of um, impact where you can actually um, yeah make some sort of change on the field. Put it that way. No, that's good. That's prime, is what I would say. Yeah, I look. I thought about dabbling in coaching courses and myself recently, and yeah, nah, don't have the skills for that. <laughs> nah, I'll stick to indoor. I think. Yeah. Uh, you got the next one there, mate. Ah, uh, yeah. Where where am I? Where am I? I've lost my spot. Uh, Yeah, okay. If you could change three things about the A-League, what would they be? First one would be to play in winter. Um, I think uh, the restart after the COVID break is obviously... um, Not COVID break, sorry. That's probably a poor way of putting it. But um, since the restart, obviously you've... You've seen a, an increase in, in, in the quality of football and uh, just the intensity levels that players are able to to see our matches due to, to the fact that it's, it's obviously a lot cooler. Um, and the other th- contributing factor to that, I think, which people don't uh, completely understand is obviously due to it being a bit cooler, the ball um, moves a bit easier on most of the pitches around the yeah. country as well. It's not dry, it's not sticky. And 
and that obviously increases the tempo that you're able to move the ball and uh, and things like that. And, and people would probably say, oh, it looks like players are slipping around this and that, but you'd take that over um, the ball being sticky and and not being able to to showcase football the way it should be played. So the first one would definitely be playing winter. Um, the the second one um, I think would be, if possible, is to to probably find more boutique stadiums to play out of as opposed to these bigger ones where you arguably get no atmosphere. Um, I think Sydney is a a testament to that since they've had to to go more regional grounds in in Cogra and and Leichhardt. Um, So I think that's a big one for me. I think it it brings football back to a little bit more back to the grassroots and allows, um, yeah, that that atmosphere and the way that the game probably used to be back in the old NSL. Yeah. I think that's kind of carried that a little bit over. I still, I still wish to to a certain extent that um, Old Breakers Stadium was still intact in the mm. way it was because I think um, I can't amazing. remember what capacity that would have been. But even a, oh. I feel like a, a, a seven to nine thousand crowd in there would be yep. absolutely pumping. And I remember as a young kid when that that went off, it was um, it, it would have been amazing to be on that field. So. I think, unfortunately, due to, to circumstances, we, we have to play out of the stadiums we do. But um, I think the, the key to, like, Adelaide's and places like that, they're, they're little boutique um, specifically built for, for football. And, and that's the way I think the, the league should eventually get to and, and, and hopefully gets to one day. Um, the third one uh, would be a tough one. Uh, I think... Um, poor, I don't know, to be honest with you. I think... Uh, the way the game's going at the moment, I think maybe a, a, a restructure of the way the salary cap um, works and, and the way that maybe handicaps the league moving forward. I know there's argument on the other side of the fence that the the, the cap um, keeps competitive balance amongst the sides, but when you look at the sides um, lower down and, and what they spend compared to, to those at the top and, and what their budgets are, and everyone will say, yeah, but there's a cap, how do they do it? There's... There's obviously marquee spots outside the cap. There's um, there's provisions for for homegrown talent, for players that have been at their club for periods of time and, and all the like. So um, as much as I think the league and that attests to, to it having a bit of competitive balance, I think that's that's a little bit false. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think something there, possibly a, um, something worked around that, maybe even get rid of it and, and allowing the, the other clubs to, if they want to spend, they spend. And uh, yeah, I think I think there's room for that to, to grow on a discussion point. But um, yeah, I, I haven't got the answers to that. The only, other, <laughs> the, the only other one which I'd like to see, and I know you said three, but I'll throw a fourth in there. Mm. I think some stage down the line, obviously a second division um, in this country is, is, is something that needs to happen. Um, promotion yep. and relegation, I think it definitely needs to. When yep. and, and how that looks, that's obviously a, a discussion for those people, uh, the, the powers to be. But um, I think what's crucial at the moment is we make sure that the, the top tier competition is, is viable for the next 5, 10, 15 years before we um, thin things out and, and try and bring a second division in and, we, we want to make sure things are done properly and, and that they're viable and it's not a get it off the ground and, and it doesn't and it struggles after a year or two because that's no good for the game in this country. So yeah. obviously um, baby steps, obviously we need to work from the top down and, and make sure everything's right. And, and I think yep. um, I think when we get to that point, I think a, a really strong second division will not only help um, 
the league at the top and, and make teams have to to really vie for their position in the A-League. But I think it's also going to give um, young up-and-coming players a, a better stepping stone maybe than they have at the moment um, and a clear yeah. pathway to, to professional football. So, yeah, yeah, I know you said three, but I threw an extra nah, one. No, no, the more the merrier. There's, um, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about um, the second division shortly. There's a couple of quick ones here that I'm going to fire through. Chad, Chad Ecott said, uh, please don't go. Savannah and Caleb will be devastated if you left. Um, apparently, there was talks of you going to India. How, how truthful is that? Uh, listen, it was, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there was, there was yeah. stuff on the table and um, yeah. obviously... When you come to my age and um, you're not sure of your options, and, and I'll be honest, there wasn't um, a great deal of uh, movement here. Uh, there was obviously a lot going on at the back end of COVID and, mm. and things like that. So I, uh, I had to, to look around and see what um, I wanted to do. Ultimately, my first preference is, is pretty clear that I would love to, to finish my playing days out at this club, but um, sometimes they're not decisions that you, you ultimately get to to take but um yeah there was things thrown around um india other things uh, uh, other a-league clubs but listen i'm a i'm a newcastle boy through and through and and what this club's got at the moment in terms of the playing squad and and the coaching staff and 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 the direction the club wants to take potentially under new ownership it's it, it, i want to be part of that and, and i've made that very clear to the club and, and the coach as well and yeah. um I, I would be kicking myself if i if i left at a time when i think this club can be um, successful and, and not only that I don't want to just be a, a I don't know what you call it but just jump on the coattail of something because it's successful yeah. I, I still yeah. believe that I've I've got a part to play in that uh, yep. both on and off the park so yeah I'll, I suppose good. I'm going to be as honest with you as I can but yeah it's obviously um, no, good, I think there's a there's a lot of players around the league that, that did get approached obviously with the uncertainty around the oh. A-League and uh, the, the way the um, the market around football in the world is at the moment there's there's a lot of movement and a lot of players looking to to have a bit more security and yeah. um, as you've seen there's already been a few players that have already signed to to go over to to India and uh, I suppose that's the biggest thing for us is making sure that uh, the A League retains the best talent we possibly can and uh, the younger players that that have a bright future that are uh, soccer prospects I think they're the ones that we've got to make sure that they're they're staying in this league and they're not yeah. going off to to, to countries like that to apply their trade. Um, I think, obviously, if you're you're heading to to a different different league and a and a different model, then then maybe. But um, yeah, that's that's my opinion anyway. Yeah. No. Look, as I said, mate. Um, I, I think honestly, as Ben and I said it in in watching the back end of the season. Um, I, I think any player in the A League take the financial situation out, and obviously, what's happening with COVID, you'd be crazy if you didn't want to be somewhat a part of what's happening in the Jets right now. It's magic to watch. Um, you know, the staff that we've got, Abini signing is massive for us, I think. I think he he proves his worth, obviously, in the back end. He looks so sharp. He looked 10 times better than what he did when he was here previously. I think going overseas helped him um, massively. He's come, um, he came back a completely different player than what we remember. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a skinny little... Skinny little winger that would fly yeah. up and down the pitch. Now he's this big lad, and all he wants to do is hold up the ball. It's amazing to watch. He's, he's powerful. He's powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beno, 
There's two in there from Matty Vandenberg. I was about um, to say, the serial oh, pest has arrived. Here we go. Here we go. This the could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. He probably already knows the answer to his own question. So, Oh, yeah, of course. Away. Go on. Go on. <laughs> serial pest himself. Here we go. All right. He's, the first one is, whatever Nigel does, thank you for your leadership at... Thank you for your leadership at the back. You've been a terrific servant for the club and fuck the coast. When Nigel was at Adelaide, he was a part of the team that beat the Jets 7-0. Does he remember much about that day? If so, tell me more. Pretty sure he scored. There, there was. <laughs> um, obviously, um, it, was a, it was an enjoyable day for, for me because I don't score many. So, um, But unfortunately, it probably shows you the state of... Uh, the Jets in that game, the fact that mm-hmm. I did score. Um, but listen, it's it, it, they obviously didn't have a, a great deal of it that year, and uh, yeah, we were we were in some form in that game. Um, I think everything that happened, we just scored. Honestly, it was it was one of those games where every time you went down, you just it ended up in the net some some way or another. And um, yeah, obviously not not nice for Jets fans to to go through, but I think that was probably testament also to the way we had that that Adelaide team. Um, I suppose the mentality down there was to to really put the the foot to the throat if you if you uh, if you were able to take a lead and and um, you really felt the vulnerability of the other side was to to ram that home and um, yeah it was was uh, was an enjoyable enjoyable win for us but obviously not great as a as a Jets fan yeah no absolutely, absolutely. Um, welcome to Elliot I don't think I've seen you in the chat before g'day mate. Um, what do you say here? Boutique Stadium's the way to go. Maybe build something at the BHP, the old BHP. Yeah. Right. Bloody why not? And on the water there. But, um, what else we got? There's a few. Just no palm trees and cannons, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, this, this is one, obviously, we're talking, you're talking about the players and everything else. Now, we believe that you were still a part of the committee of the PFA. Yeah, so still a, an exec member on the board there at... Um, um, PFA, so, yeah. So pretty much all I want to know, we're not going to go into too much detail because it's just so much, so much. Well, we we, we don't do politics. Um, yeah, yeah, we stay well away from what ifs and maybes. We want truths and stuff like that. But all yep. I want to know is for virtually all the fans out there who may not know anything about the PFA, yep. what is it about? Yeah, so it's obviously the the players' union um, and uh, they represent the the players, obviously, when it comes to uh, negotiations or CBAs with with the uh, club owners or or the league itself, but not only that, they're they're there for uh, the players in terms of player development. Um, there's so many branches of the PFA, and I could rattle off um, what they do and how they service the players, but but ultimately they're um, there to help and educate the players. Um, there's there's education grants where players can tap into every year, um, a few thousand dollars, depending on. Um, if they want to study, if they want to go and work, if they want some some job experience, um, it's really about trying to um, empower the the players um, to prepare themselves for for life after football, as well as um, now as well. And and um, I, I think if you if you read uh, into any kind of literature from from big coaches around the world, it's it's the educated players that that usually are the ones that are able to to take on board um, what coaches have to say, systems, tactics, things like that. And uh, the, the more educated you are, both on and off the field, I think um, leaves you in good stead. But there's there's so many services that, that the PFA provide. Um, we have a play development officer who, who's at our club, Emily, um, and she 
checks in with all the players in terms of where they're at uh, on a, I suppose, personal level. Um, and, and they provide services, whether it's counselling, whether it's um, financial literacy, all those type of things that, that really um, provide the players with a platform to, to live their life and make sure they're doing the right thing with um, their well-being and, and also, I suppose, finances to make sure that um, they're ready because the transition out of football um, isn't an easy one and I've got a lot of mates that have already stepped out of the game and, and I can attest for that and um, it's, it's trying to prepare these boys for that, not to scare them, obviously, and um, to not take away from what they're trying to achieve as well. But the reality of it is if you if you have a, um, a long and healthy career in the A-League, you're still probably not going to earn enough money to um, sit back and retire on and, and not have mm. to work a day in your life. And that's, um, I think... Some people are confused in this country that obviously there's a salary cap, so um, that's essentially what money gets spread amongst the team. So if you if you divide a, a salary cap amongst the players, you can kind of work it out. Um, so we're not earning um, what the EPL players are, um, but it's um, it's still a good lifestyle and a, and a great way to to play professional sport. But it's about maintaining. Uh, that pathway for those boys so yeah i could like i said obviously quite passionate about what the pfa does and what it provides for the players because it's um it's uh it's very important in making sure that um the health and well-being of of all the members are are there and i think healthy healthy human beings provide better footballs on on the park as well now as i said it was definitely something that you know we could like it's when when the question came through i'm like oh how do we get around this because we'd be for hours because this yeah, again, yeah. again there's so much stuff there that i'd you know love to tap in on and talk to you about obviously as as a part of the committee and stuff like that majorly obviously again even in the women's game you know what i mean we, yeah. we had we've had a couple of the girls on in recent months and just gobsmacked and and shocked in what those girls actually go through um and what they get out of it you know four month yeah. contracts like i nearly fell off my chair yeah. um who told us that bloody laurie uh, no tara uh, andrews no, no tara andrews, tara andrews. Tara. Yeah. and credit and, credit to these girls right honestly we 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 have we got a great relationship the 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 club as a whole over the last few years mm-hmm. have made sure that um it's it's been very uh, inclusive uh, not only mm-hmm. just the w league but also the youth team and and that when we're at functions, the, the players obviously they mix and mingle and understand um, the girls' point of view. And um, credit to some of those girls and what they're able to yeah. do. They obviously all have their own career path. Some are studying, some are working. Um, and then all of a sudden they've got to train, um, I suppose, almost full time. And then they're away. They may be not being able to work on a Friday or a Monday because they've got an away game. And mm. um, mate, what, what they endure uh, is tough. And uh, hopefully over the coming years, we'll see obviously with the, the, the influx of what's, what's going to happen around the Women's World Cup. Um, I hope the women's game really takes off like it should. And yep. um, I suppose the, the commercial viability of what they're providing both on and off the park is, is relevant. And um, hopefully that momentum continues. Obviously, COVID has probably put a stun, uh, has stunted that and, uh, along with the rest of the game. But um, there was some great gains um in the women's women's sport prior to to this and hopefully it continues because let's be honest when when the women's world cup comes here hopefully the the w league's thriving um every a league team's got a w league team and um maybe wear the curtain raiser for a w league game and and that's the way it is because i think um yeah they'll sure enough they'll catch us and and maybe even surpass us um that's that's my thought on it anyway yeah, absolutely. There, 
Um, yeah, I think it was Tara yeah. that was telling us as well that she carpools with like three other of the Jets girls to go down to Sydney every week for training and yeah. and to play on the weekends. Yeah, it's and it's it's again. I was yeah when she said four month contracts, it just blew me away. Yeah. Um, just you know, I, I I somewhat I get it somewhat because obviously the league isn't that long and everything else. Like, but in my head as well, I feel that there's so much that these girls could be possibly doing to promote the game, promote. Um, you know, the youth system maybe going around to schools and all yeah, these sort of doing things. clinics, promoting the club, like going out into the community. Like yeah, and that's not a thing at any club either. That's that's just in general. I just feel that they should be doing a lot more. And hopefully, obviously, as you said, with the World Cup coming up, we may see a little bit more of that change. And hopefully, we do. But um, what have we got here? Yeah, Elliot's brought up a good one. I used to work with Claire Wheeler after game day. She was dead on her feet at work. It was mental. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly it. Um, he's also said there, who takes the credit for Johnny K's improvements as a defender? Boobs or Topper? Ah, <laughs> oh, depends who you ask. No, listen, <laughs> um, Johnny, Johnny's, uh, Johnny's a great kid, and, and yeah. I say kid, obviously, because he's younger, um, but he's, uh, he's really matured this year in the way he's, uh, he's approached football and um, taking everything on board, especially um, with the coach and the way he wants to play. It's, it's obviously um, a new position for him, a, a different way of uh, approaching it. And uh, he's taken it with both hands and, and uh, you can see see the way he's performed at the back end of the year. So um, as much as Topper um, or myself might claim um, we've helped him out a bit, yeah, we're obviously a bit older and bossing around a little bit, but um, credit has to go to him because he's he's put the hard yards in. He he listens. He uh, he asks questions. He he's one of those ones that won't die wondering. He'll he'll pick the brains out of situations and ask you where he can improve and how he can get better. And um, yeah, it's good to see him uh, really doing well in that position. I think um, some people were probably a little bit harsh on him in terms of where he was playing recently and, and his performances. But um, I think Johnny. Um, is a great athlete and, and he's showing he's quite comfortable on the ball and the way he wants to play football. So, yeah, big things to come, I think, for Johnny. He's obviously very versatile. He can play there. He can he can play as a fullback, as a wingback. And um, I know in his youth team days, he was a he was a holding midfielder as well. So, um, mm. good kid. And, and, and he, along with a lot of those younger boys, it's, it is honestly a pleasure to play with him. And, and, and people will say, oh, he's got to say that. But... It is. We've got a great, great bunch of boys, and and especially those younger ones. There's no, there's no chip on their shoulder. Um, they just want to learn. They want to get better. Obviously, the environment that the the gaffers created, along with the players that were already there, uh, it's it, it's a great environment to be in. And you can see the way uh, we've adapted to the way the gaffer wants to play. That the mm. players are just soaking up everything that's being thrown at them, and and doing that willingly as well. It's there's there's no roadblocks and. And um, if there's questions to to be asked, they are, and uh, it, it's a it's a really good environment to be involved with at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, we've got there's so many questions here, guys. Yeah. We're not going to get through all of them. We don't want to leave. We don't want to keep him here for you know more than an hour. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to get him on again soon enough. I'll shorten the answer for you so we can get through a few. More. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. no, it's good to have the long ones actually because some of them, some of the times you get blokes on and they just sort of. You know, yeah, no. Nah. Real short answer. Then you sit there and you're like, "Shit, shit, we're out of questions." Out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we got here? Uh, but real, real quick one. Here's a quick one. I have to ask, what's it like to be jetting around Newcastle in F18 Hornet? 
as you did a couple of years ago. <laughs> honestly, I still you said it then, and I'll go a little little uh, the hand <laughs> the hair stand up. It was honestly a, a bucket list moment that um, I don't know how many people have been able to go up there. Um, I know all the engineers that work on the on the planes mm. on the. They were just gobsmacked that we were given the opportunity to do it. So, um, <laughs> to be honest with you, we were. I pestered um, our media manager for a good period after I think Scotty Miller went up. Um, I made it well known to him that I wanted to go up, and every time we saw the the liaison uh, officer from the RAF around, I made sure I um, went and had a, a lengthy conversation to make sure that if a name was thrown out, their mind would be at the top of the pile, <laughs> um, as, well, as, as well with Jem as well, but. Listen, that was something amazing to 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 get some insight into what those guys do. Obviously, being from Newcastle, the RAF base is there. You yeah. you hear and see those planes fly over all the time, and to get an understanding of what goes on behind um, that big barbed wire fence is is quite interesting. And we we were able to go in and, and get an understanding of um, the level of teamwork and 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 those type of things and how that relates to football and really having to rely on your mate. We, I think that was the biggest thing is in football, you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And um, at the end of the day, we play a sport. And let's be honest, if if, if worst case scenario is you, you lose a game, um, when you, you amplify it to their level, it's you're relying, your mates relying on you to, to save your life. And yeah. if, if you make a big mistake, then it, and it's quite costly. And, and that's the level of trust these guys had for each other. And um, the detail and the respect, it's just, it was a whole other um, realm of thinking that um, I was privileged and, and still am to, to be um, involved with. But when it came to flying it, um, I just thought we were going to be passengers. Um, we got up there and I'm, I'm a big kid at heart and I love all that. I've been on um, gliders and all those type of things when I was in Adelaide and I love being in the sky. And um, he uh, at one stage we were doing loops, we were doing all this thing, and he could see that I was getting a kick out of it. So he said, "All right, so the controls are yours." And I had a double take. I was like, "Am I hearing things? Am I just am I a little bit dizzy from what he's been doing?" And he said, "Whatever you do, just don't invert us. So don't don't flip us over and don't pull. Otherwise, we'll head straight into the uh, into the drink." And I went, "Well, I'll, I'll try and avoid that because it's not good for either of us. All the I don't know how many million dollars the plane's worth either, but um." He, uh, he handed the controls to me. I did a couple of barrel rolls and I was honestly, I was chuffing like a little kid. It was the best thing ever. And he said, you're, you're going to have fun with this, aren't you? I said, well, wh- what are we allowed to do? So started cloud hopping, bopping around. And um, he, he went first and I took over and I was fine when he was doing it. And I think I got a little bit overzealous and I was pulling too many Gs and being a, being a clown, let's be honest. Um, and uh, I, I made myself sick. Um, I had to hand the controls back to him and pull my little pouch out of my top pocket and uh, he leveled out and I had a little chuck and tucked it back into my sock and away we went. But honestly, to, to to be a Newcastle boy, to be able to do that, to fly over Newcastle, I think we flew down to Catherine Hill Bay where I grew up surfing and over Redhead where I grew up and all the way up to the bay and have a perspective of Newcastle like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's something that I'll remember for the rest of my life and something that, obviously very privileged to do and um yeah it's uh, I, I still get a buzz obviously talking about it so it's um it was something i'm very honored very honored to have, have been able to do ben you got the next one then well you, yeah. you can probably lead on from that question oh i can but i'm gonna go with a different one i'm gonna go with lukey in the chat because it's the second time he's asked it who's harder to understand laurie carl or kenny 
Depends what they're talking about, and depends. <laughs> it depends. How angry they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've obviously at the Mariners, I copped a few sprays from Laurie at halftime when we weren't performing, and um, <laughs> I tell you what, you're just ducking under your chair uh, <laughs> to make sure something doesn't get thrown by. Let's be honest, him or Fergie that's coming over his shoulder back in the day. So, yeah. um, Laurie's Laurie, I can understand Laurie um, quite well now. My wife still can't know Laurie for 15 years, and she still just nods. <laughs> nods. Um, <laughs> It's um, the gaffer's gaffer's not too bad. He's pretty easy to understand. Yeah. But Kenny's got this in uh, kind of I don't know personality where he's very intense and he's very high energy. And sometimes he can he can talk way too fast for I think even the gaffer to understand. Oh, so he he loves um, he loves to talk. He's uh, he he's very passionate and he's uh, he's a great guy. And another great inclusion to to the staff. He uh, he's that. Um, he's great to have around the group and um, him and Bays as well. Like. Honestly, they come into training every day, and um, they've got this energy that's infectious, and it and it and it spreads amongst the group, and um, it's enjoyable to to have that type of environment. So, um, yeah, it, it, if you're new to it, it, takes a bit, and you've actually got to slow down, look at their mouth, and really listen, because if you drift for a second, you'll you'll miss you're the gone. conversation. <laughs> I was going to say, with Ben and I have like been lucky enough to obviously sit down and have a chat with all three of them, and um, I, I think obviously Kenny is probably the hardest. He was, it, although I'm probably not in his good books at the moment, I um. Did, yeah, you sold him knock, short 300 games. He'd knock you about 300 games <laughs> short, apparently. So. Well, he, he knows how many he's played to the number too. We oh asked yeah, him. he does. We asked him, no, so. no, it was like I was, I was being generous. It's, it's oh, you know, about 600 odd games. He's like, oh yeah, and the other 300. Yeah, 300. <laughs> makes some right. some some career. If you go back and look at his stat, oh. it's un- unbelievable. So very honoured to have him uh, him around as well. He's itching for a 10 game guest in. Oh, so yeah. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said he's still ready to put the boots on. <laughs> yeah, he tells us tells us every day at training. To be no, fair, no. some days he, he joins in with a shooting practice and he, uh, he he does all right still. <laughs> um, if you were to have any A-League player of your choice to join us at the Jets, who would it be and why? Some of the current players at the moment. Oh, listen, I'd, I'll do the old cliche thing and say I wouldn't swap any of our players for anyone. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start. I'll start, I'll start with that. I'll get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Listen, who uh, who would you add to our squad to to be enjoyable and in, in the way? I mean, they not even not even add them, mate. Not even add them. Just it's someone who's maybe just standing out. It's someone you've just obviously been watching as well. Just going, she's he's playing her up. Listen, I, I enjoy, and I know a lot of the boys in our team enjoy that kind of creative footballer and the way they, they get around the park. Someone like Ninkovic is obviously mm-hmm. a treat to watch and the way he makes the game um, some just slows down when he's got the ball and um, it is a treat to watch and, and, and play against someone like him. Obviously, your Castros as well, they're, they're, they're great to, to have around, obviously, the, the way they play the game. I think um, uh, that's the way you, you want to see football played and you, and you want to see those creative type players because they're the ones that, that do things that you can't even imagine are possible and somehow they make it happen on a field. So I think um, the the fan in all of us um, enjoy that style of footballer. So, yeah, listen, um, I wouldn't replace any of our players. If you're going yeah. to add someone maybe to come off the bench, um, then uh, one of those two would be would be quite handy. Well, talking about creative players, I've got one name, Alessandro Diamanti. He uh, he's done he's done quite well since he's been here. He's quite a character, which is nice to see in the A League as well. Obviously, um, oh, his Instagram more, game's on point. 
Yeah. 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 He's he, he's a character, which is good. And listen, he he runs around the field with a smile on his face and mm. um, enjoys what he's doing. And I think that that carries through to his team as well. But um, great competitor, and and uh, obviously we're we're lucky to have players like that out here in in, in this league. Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna slowly start wrapping it up. We'll talk a little bit about this season about the uh, Ben wants to ask one question. Yeah, I'll get you. Hang on, let me find it. Ben's I've been Ben's wanting been to ask this question for years. Where is it? I can't find it now. You've had his. It's down the bottom. It's down the bottom. Yeah. Here we go. Since coming into the A League many years ago for Brisbane, Vezart Barisha has been one of the most potent strikers oh, yeah. in the A League. <laughs> the A League is everything. <laughs> Can you tell us what your secret is about how you manage to keep him in your pocket every time you face him on the pitch? <laughs> Yeah, listen, I, I've, I'll go back to the start. Obviously, we've had a running, um, I suppose, I don't know what you want to call it, but um, a long time ago in Adelaide, um, a situation happened, a scenario happened, which I believe was shouldn't happen on a football field. I'm not going to go into too much details, mm-hmm. but pretty much from that day on, I made sure that whenever I was on the park against um, uh, Barisha that I'd, I'd make his life hell. Um and uh, I kind of wanted to make sure that I suppose at the end of my playing days against him that I felt like um, I was on top and I won because um, there was a could have could have been a, a different reaction to what played out and and me being a lot younger and probably a little bit more naive than I am these days I, I could have reacted a different way but um, I went about it a different different approach and listen I think people still appreciate that style of um, football and. Um, mm being able to to really go at each other and i think there's still a a, a level of respect there um yeah. i'd like to think so um even after the last game I, I went up to bess and um gave him a fist pump as as we uh we finished and um there was a, an acknowledgement there but I, I think not only um what i mentioned in terms of that scenario but also we're both very passionate about winning and and we both both want to take a backward step in in moving forward so i think that has um has given us that heated rivalry and listen I, I like to to make sure that I, I come off the park and he hasn't scored against us like I do most strikers but there's <laughs> there's that added level of um, intensity that he brings and um, I'll be honest it, it's enjoyable to to stoke that out of him because it it, yeah. it sometimes does put him off his game slightly so um, enjoyable to have that honestly I've been around the league a long time and um, to to come up against that and, and get a bit of a kick again, it's uh it, yeah. it is nice. It, he he, no. Nigel Bogart is definitely a name he's going to remember well past his <laughs> yeah. life. I, I, I don't think I'm on his Christmas card list. Put it that way. No, it's good. It's definitely a definitely oh, I a, um, that's a it. date that we a date that we pencil in. Don't worry about that. As Jets fans, obviously, whenever oh, it's great to watch. It's it's just good to watch again, but it's. It's it's good, you know. I mean, you see, it's just that passion, and obviously, um, yeah. you know, friendliness out of it. I suppose at the same time, again, it's football. It's like rugby league, you know. These days, when they can't tackle and shit, it's just I mean, like I'd like to think league. that now that he's starting to get towards the, you know, towards the end of his career, is that he may have mellowed. He seems to have mellowed a bit, a fair bit, from when he first was around. He loves a good dive. He still hasn't got oh, that. Well. Out. <laughs> so yeah, does Jack Rallish, but we're not going to go into that. Dives for days, bloody hell, kilometre away. I'll dive. She'll be right. But can he dive um, better than Luis Italiano? That's the question. Louis, 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 uh, Louis doing well at the moment. I'm, I'm actually really pleased for Louis the way he, uh, he took Step the reins, up. mate. To be honest, at the, uh, the back end of the year with Mossy, and um, 
credit to him. He, he's he's been a number two for a long period, and he always does a hard yards. He does what's asked for him of him, and uh, yeah, credit to him. He's been given the opportunity, and I think he's done quite well. I think he's um, I agree. I think he's probably surprised a lot of people with uh, his ability with his feet as well, um, and and the way the gaffer wants to play. He's he's doing well, but um, yeah, I still give him a bit of stick. I still keep him in check. He's obviously. Mm-hmm. He's uh he's very close to us and he might be the brunt of a few of my verbals. But um yeah, it's uh it's good to know that we have that relationship and, and, and likewise with a lot of the players that it's about driving each other and mm. um sometimes we we uh probably don't like to hear what we're being told sometimes, but we all take it um the right way and, and it's only for the benefit of the team. So it's um yeah, he's uh Louis Louis's good value. Um he's now my roommate or he was my roommate when Mossy didn't return, so I've gone from one goalkeeper to the next, and I'll tell you what, goalkeepers are a strange bunch. <laughs> I, used to, I used to have Eugene Golekovic in Adelaide, and all great guys, don't get me wrong, but when they say goalkeepers are strange, I will attest for that. Um, no end. <laughs> we're, we're enough said. We don't need to go into war. We're going to really slow it down. We're going to quickly talk about, obviously, um, Carl and everyone else coming in, what we can expect, the fans can hopefully expect for next season whenever the hell that happens um yeah if it happens at this point the way things are going no one knows um and obviously just a little bit about the back end obviously how good it was for us to watch and i'm sure how you know how good trainings and everything else must have been and how much knowledge not so much for yourself being one of the older guys but obviously the younger guys like you lucas um, um oh, i'm gonna butcher his name megarius yeah, you could probably run it better than me. Yeah, yeah. I'll run, I'll run it. <laughs> who, who hopefully we're going to have on next week. I was speaking to him the other day and he's keen to jump on. So Finally. Um, finally. You won't go into that. Um, but yeah, what, what's what's it like? What are these guys like? What can we expect for next season? Obviously, um, another another couple of levels on what we've already produced. The, the gaffer's made it quite clear that he, he that was a starting point and he's obviously impressed with the... The attitude and application of the way the players took on board what he wanted to do and, and how he wanted to play football and, and like I said, it's a it's a it's a very much a, a learning environment. Um, he has a certain style of football which he's he's very detailed uh, in the way he take his approaches to the game and, and um, the way the style he wants to play, which is which is good and um, he stripped it right back for everyone to understand and, and obviously layer on layer we we got to to those performances like we did at the back of the end of the year and. Um, if you ask any football, everyone wants to to play with the ball at their feet. There's obviously one ball shared amongst 22 players, and um, the the boys obviously uh, the way the gaffer wants to play. It's a possession style of football, and uh, it's been enjoyable. I, I, don't get me wrong, as a as a centre back, you, you you assume that most of the time you're not going to get as many touches as as everyone else. But the way we play, it's it's enjoyable. It's a style of football I enjoy playing, and and a lot of the players too. So it's. Uh, it's not just possession-based football for the sake of it. There's there's reasons behind what we do and, and the way we try and shift teams to to exploit other areas. And um, there's always um, scenarios and, and and things that are brought up at training and boys asking questions. But uh, it's very clear, and I think the way he wants to play. But there's a lot more that that everyone can give. There's there's um, advancements on what we've already learned, and um, it's exciting. It's exciting to know that that. We all as individuals know we've got more to give. We've got a lot more to learn. And I think you touched on it saying that that maybe a, the younger boys learning a bit more. To be honest with you, our senior boys are 
are learning a hell of a lot as well. It's mm. uh, it's, a, it's a different coach. It's a, a um, different structure for some boys, but um, it really is, a, especially for some of the older boys, a, um, an open discussion with the coaching staff as to what they want and how they want to play. And, and we can really question it. It's not, it's not questioning it in a negative term, but it's a question in a in a trying to understand it all as a team and making sure that that we know each other's roles. And I think that's that's key to it as well as um, anything is understanding your own role, but but also knowing how all the moving parts work and yeah. and me understanding how the uh, number ten is supposed to move or or a nine moves. That's going to help my decision making and, and things like that. So there's so much to it. Um, it is enjoyable, especially when you get to. To the back end of your career, it, it's a bit, um, it's exciting to see what the club's done, and and obviously credit to the, the coaching staff what they've done in that short period. So, to have a full preseason with the team, um, implement the way they want to play, um, it's enjoyable playing that way, um, and uh, I think all the boys would attest to that. But I think there's there's definitely a lot more to give, and uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. I think, um, yeah, with the way we play, it's expansive. Um, are we going to get caught out a few times? I think the gaffer openly admits that we're going to we're going to make mistakes probably at the back trying to play out from our own penalty box. But um, he feels that um, those negatives um, are outweighed by the the amount of positives from from going the other way. So. Yeah. I, I think from everyone I've spoken to, it's an enjoyable style of football to watch. Um, oh, as yeah. long as obviously uh, the outcomes there as well. There's you can play the best brand of football if you can't get the result. That's um, ultimately what we're in this game to do. So it's a balance of both and and making sure we can execute that. But like I said, it's it's enjoyable to play. Good learning environment. Great bunch of boys that are willing to learn and and put their neck on the line for for each other and the and the staff and and the club. So it's um. It's exciting times, um, like I mentioned earlier in our chat, that um, it, it's really boding well for, for next season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, again, as I said, it's just, yeah, it's just from, from obviously the start of the season, it was just so, I don't know, there was just so much, it wasn't even say negativity, negativity, it was just more what's going on, sloppiness, there's a bit of you know bad passing, possession whatever, people not tracking back even, but just everything's changed. You know, I mean, you bring these guys in and the team is just lifted under him. Um, and again, when we had him on, you know, just, just to hear what he what he's about, what he hopes to bring to the club in his, you know, three years, I believe it is, that he signed. Mm. Um, you know, very strong, full about the youth system, definitely wants to give young blokes a go. Um, even offered you a job. Even off me a job as a as a scout, I was impressed with that. Um, <laughs> Can't complain with that. It was, it was just it was just before obviously the COVID really got serious, so you might take it back now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's good to see. And obviously, again, you know who wouldn't want to be a part of next season? You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. Hopefully, we'll do, um, we'll do the awards tonight. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, um, might be able to get you on. Hopefully, we can get you on in a couple of weeks. Um, time. Hopefully, we'll speak to you in regards to that. And obviously, there's a few other questions there we want to ask. And yeah. we're thinking about maybe looking at doing some sort of like an awards night. It's not really much going on, so get a get players player and captains yeah. most improved, etc. Um, stuff like that. So yeah, no. But honestly, mate, we we do thank you. And as Vandenberg said, he summed it up well. Um, we do thank you for everything that you've given to the club over the five years. Um. You know, let's let's be honest. Before that, Newcastle Jets was a bit of a shit show. Um, as a fan since day one, watching it over 
unfold from the good times to the bad times to the forever sevenths, umpteen mm. years in a row of not quite making it. It would have been very interesting to see what would have happened with you guys this season if we did scrape in, considering the teams that we beat in the run home to it. Um, but that's football, isn't it? That's, that's football. It is what it is. But, yeah, thanks very much for jumping on again, mate. No, too easy, guys. Thanks for having me. And I'll just um, put a few of you, I suppose, your your listeners at ease. I think the, the biggest plan is to try and get the league back up and going by potentially um, January and, and, and run that through. So that's what we're hearing. Um, any more than that, I can't really testify because if they change it, then I look like a bit of a clown. But um, I think um, having some insight because you don't hear much um, out of anywhere. But... Mm. We're hoping that um, come the turn of the year, we're, we're back on the park and, and providing um, some good entertainment for everyone. And hopefully we can start um, the season off well. Absolutely, mate. Hopefully you can get the pay sort of shit under control because, as I said, no one, no one deserves that. Um, mm. And, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, mate. It's an, you're an absolute legend. And, obviously, again, on the PFA for what you're doing for all the players, it's you and Topper. Topper, I believe, is on there as well. So Yeah. Yeah, no, muchly appreciated, mate. Um, yeah, the chat's saying at the moment, thanks, mate. Um, hopefully you stay and everything else. But yeah, we'll speak to you soon, mate. Too easy, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Take mate. it easy, buddy.